listening to Stalking Spurs, the football podcast that's not just about football. In fact, it is 40-something minutes of football-adjacent frivolity. I'm one of your hosts, Acid, and we have here with us Patty. Hey, guys. Hi, hey, Patty. Acid. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I mean, we just finished nine episodes of Awesome. I am ready to dive in. <laughs> Yeah, so in this episode, we're going to recap and react to the last three episodes of All or Nothing Tottenham Hotspur, the Amazon documentary. If you haven't seen it yet, go see it. And once you finish the ninth episode, come back. So this week, we noticed that we're getting a few more click-throughs on our pod follow. (laughs) (laughs) It's if you see like the line graph, it kind of spikes up. So I think we have some new listeners, or hopefully that means we have new listeners and those aren't just bots. (laughs) Hi, guys. Hey, guys. (laughs) Just like so we've introduced ourselves through audio. If you guys want to get a sneak peek of like who we actually are, you're in luck because oh my god, we made it into the documentary. Can you believe this, Patty? I can't, I can't We are me. in the documentary. With that, guys, we just like to announce this is the end of the series. We've successfully <laughs> made our way into the fandom, officially. We're Alice there, Gold Yeah, our work now. is done. Yeah. We have successfully stalked our way into Spurs history. If you go to episode 9 of all or nothing and you scrub to seven minutes and 33 seconds you will see us on the fan wall i think we're on screen for like a minute uh, a second and a half yeah maybe just shy of a second yep but there's a i think it's in the second to the top row second in from the right is that right yes anyway just look for the screen where there's west ham there are two peeps on a sofa clapping and then there's like a a, tiny... a Mac screen with another person clapping inside. <laughs> That's because I am the Zoom within the Zoom within the Zoom. But yeah. <laughs> we want to thank all the fans for supporting us these past 20-odd episodes. I think this is the fastest path to uh, making it this first history. So you know what? Check us out. <laughs> yeah, check it out. Just rewatch it. Watch us clapping to Harry's winning goal during the West Ham game. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> now that we've, you know, bragged about that, we can move on <laughs> to telling everyone what this episode is really about. So what you can expect from this episode is our reactions to the last three episodes of this documentary. Fair warning, we may keep mentioning that we are in this documentary. <laughs> We're the stars. Just in case anyone forgets. We are actually in it. Highlights from this episode, we're going to break down all of the conflicts. If you guys watched the last few episodes, you'll notice there is lots of conflict. We're going to talk about Dyer versus the fan. We're going to talk about Dyer versus Sunny. We're going to talk about Dyer versus Delhi. There's a pattern emerging here. (laughs) (laughs) But we're going to unpack that later. We're also going to talk about our hero of not just Korea, but the entire world, Sun, and how this past few episodes have kind of shown us a different side i mean is this quote-unquote spoiled son is this quote-unquote slightly sarcastic king of korea (laughs) Hmm. we're gonna talk about it later acid this has been an intense last three episodes to be to be fair i thought like Episode 7 and like half of 8 kind of dragged because obviously we were on our losing streak. And I mean, we weren't the only ones who had a say in that. 
Clearly, Jose gave one hell of a performance review, and I would not want to be in those debrief rooms when he was giving them hell. Oh my god. Yeah, so this this is almost like at the start of this seventh episode, right? It kind of starts off in a really scary place. After the Chelsea defeat, which was, I think, maybe the second defeat in a row, in a row Tom Hardy's voice comes in and says <laughs> that Jose tries to engage the players, pause, in a different way. <laughs> and this different way <laughs> ends up being the performance review from hell. So Jose's addressing the players and he's saying, oh, you guys might have noticed in the around the stadium or around the training facility, we've been showing a video, which is essentially a supercut of all of your failures <laughs> of every goal conceded. And then Jose starts to say, we also noticed that after a while, some of you guys decided to switch it off. Well, now that you're in this room, bar the doors. <laughs> We're going to make all of you watch it from start to finish. It's, oh my God. What is brutal? I think, obviously, we've seen Jose have his charming ways. You've seen Jose try to play good cop. Like, it's okay, guys. Like, don't, don't lose confidence. And I think in these last three episodes, obviously, with the performance we've been giving, we kind of see him reach his breaking point. <laughs> and this was just the tip of the iceberg. Like, with words like, I don't only blame Delhi, I blame him. I blame him. Like, there was, it was pretty straight up, which I appreciate. Like, the cameras were rolling. Yeah. Like, yeah, it, everyone just looked super stressed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you look around the room and you look at people's faces and body language and it's not good. You see Tangy kind of zoning out, you know, when people are like threatened or something and they kind of just shut down. <laughs> That's what he looked like. We see Jan and Toby look incredibly stressed. I think they're like their brows are furrowed and I think Toby just looks super, super still. I think it's Jan who's kind of shaking his yeah. head. Like everyone across the board looks defeated and ashamed or defensive or over it. Or maybe some are confused because it's all happening in English and I think some of the players aren't super good at English yet. And maybe they're just confused and afraid. Body language was just really bad. Everyone had their arms up across their chests. Everyone was hunched. Just like really digressing really quickly when you said Tangy zoning out. Like he looked just as zoned out in his meeting with Levy, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> At least maybe, the... maybe he just has resting zoned out face or something. <laughs> I think the one highlight of this performance review, I can't believe there's a highlight, is that we discover what beautiful eye color Ben Davis has. Holy shit. Yeah. Benny So Boo. like while we're watching this, <laughs> they edit a part, they edit the like Ben's one-on-one -on -one interview. Yeah. And it's like a close-up of his face. And like, we, we're messaging at this point. We're like, what color is this? It's amazing. It's a color of like, I think like the Great Barrier Reef. Like that level of like gorgeous. <laughs> I was likening it to like a Tiffany box. But like you mentioned, Tiffany blue is a bit flat compared to the brilliance. Yeah, yeah, because I thought of that. Yeah. Like, yeah, it, it kind of is. If you had the name, like an easily identifiable color, then you would land on the Tiffany blue box. Yeah. But then his kind of has, like, dimension exactly. and radiance. <laughs> I, I, think, I think I want to stick to, like, the Great Barrier Reef on, like, a sunny yes. day. 
but yeah, beautiful bed. Like I was so stressed for you guys, but thank you for taking me out of the stress and just swimming in your in your eyes. Like I am, as you can tell, I'm, I'm slowly moving on to my obsession with Ben Davis as we go episode on <laughs> episode. So welcome. A few weeks of mourning after Young left <laughs> and then now. Clearly this widow is ready to move on to another defensive player. But yeah, what a review. I, I would not want to be in that room, but I think... They needed to hear it, and it makes me also wonder, like, how Pot should have handled... I think anytime I see Mourinho on screen and how he reacts, I always kind of catch myself thinking, I wonder how Pot should have handled this, but yeah. That's me not moving on. <laughs> <laughs> and from that, we will never move on. <laughs> but yeah, we have to move on. Moving on to just, like, acid teased earlier. Obviously, with all the string of defeats, we have a lot of pent-up emotions and everyone's riled up. And thus, we come to all the drama and all the feels and just all the freaking conflict. We're going to do a tally at the end of this uh, segment to round up who, who are almost always in conflict. But I guess we can start <laughs> off with, uh, in chronological order, uh, most of this obviously happens in either training rooms or dressing rooms or whatever else, but... After the Wolves' defeat, we see Dyer and Delhi kind of get into it, with Delhi just starting off with, like, how the fuck did we lose that? And then it all comes, goes down to hell. I think it's key here to see how different people react to stress. Delhi just being, like, speaking his mind, but not necessarily calling anyone out. Versus... And throwing things. Throwing things. Lots of anger. Versus, again, Benny Boo just kind of, like, just you know, staring into space and, like, shaking his head in disbelief. And then we get Tyre, <laughs> who calls Deli out for being spoiled and asks him to put a name on who he's complaining about, which Deli then just says, do I name everyone on the team? <laughs> <laughs> but then, like, even after that, Dyer doesn't let it go. He's like, no, put a name to it. And Deli keeps saying, will I name everyone on the team? And then Dyer still says, you know, don't be a spoiled kid. Put a name on this. Every fucking game you do this, he says. So he's obviously, like, saying, you know what? Come on. Say it's me. It's interesting because, like, just to call out, and I think you mentioned, you noticed this as well, is that after that, there was a, a bit of an interview with Eric, and they, he, he just calls out that he can't sleep when they lose. And he's just always replaying things in his mind over and over. And again, you see how hard these players are on themselves. Obviously, we want results. Obviously, at the end of the day, that's quote-unquote all that matters. But no, it isn't what all that matters. These people are humans, you know? And you see how they deal with the stress and the pressure. And it ain't good. It's so bad, the pressure. As if it wasn't bad enough. Mourinho decides to just, you know, step up the uh, intensity and calls for like an 11 aside game within the team where it gets violent to the point wherein Oof. most unlikely player if you were to think who would never get into a brawl we get lucas mora calling out orier and they never really address it and it's just there yeah. in the side playing in the side and i'm like what <laughs> So I think this this 11-a-side match was after yet another defeat. It was in training after the Sheffield defeat. And like, we don't even spend time getting to know what the cause of this conflict was or what happened after. It's just a camera aimed at Mora. I, I guess it, it took a few like scrubs back and forth to figure out yeah. like who was shouting and who was who was he shouting at. But like Mora kept saying things like, uh, you speak a lot every day, you speak a lot. And then he has to be like, 
physically taken away from Orie. I think it's Orie. Yeah, it is Orie. Other people are like protecting Orie also and like kind of making sure he doesn't engage and shout back. This was like the most mad libs of like who would be fighting. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, totally. And then like while we're watching this unfold and we're like, what the fuck is going on? We then like get to see the POV of the physios who kind of overlook the training pitch. Coolest kids. And then the physios are like talking to each other. He's like, oh, he's set this up, hasn't he? Referring to Jose. A bit of nastiness for tomorrow, another physio says. This is all orchestrating something for Jose. And he is. He's quite the mastermind in all of this. And and I get it. I get his tactics and his motivations am i again necessarily like rooting for this no of course not the the crux of this entire documentary is how it's a bunch of good guys and good guys never win and it's really the transformation of how he then wants them to play in his style of aggressiveness and you know tackling and just really being cunts as he says and you know being smart cunts on the pitch which again i'm not for but hey if this works for him then then you know more power to him but again, love the physios and the truths they call out because they are the most entertaining bunch in this yeah. entire thing. I just want to hang out in the physio room. I, I would too. <laughs> Jeff Scott, you and your team, I'm all for it. Keep doing you. We'd love to be yeah. there with you guys. If you guys want to hire two interns with like zero physio, physio training, exactly. we're down. I, we're I, can, I can pick up the towels. I'll do anything, honestly. But then the reason why we couldn't focus on Mora and Aurier is obviously because shit was going down between strike two for Dyer and strike one for Sunny. What? What? Uh, obviously, during this 11-a-side game, everyone was getting aggressive. To be fair, you see a lot of people fall down. Lamelli falls down. Genson falls down. Gio falls down. Dyer falls down. But everyone kind of gets up and brushes it off and just like, you know, everyone's still attacking. But then Sonny falls down and he's taken down from a hard tackle by Dyer. Sun is pissed. He stays down. He gets brought into the physio room. Everybody gathers. The physios are there kind of like saying, yeah, there's a bit of bruising. It's, you know, but they don't seem as stressed as they were when he fractured his arm. So good for me to know that it wasn't like he's not, they're not not taking it seriously, but it's also like it's not life or death. However, Mm -hmm. it's quite serious to the point wherein Jose, Jose comes in and is like, you know, again, misplaced humor right here. He's trying to play it down and being like, hey, take a picture, put it on Instagram, which I don't think was necessarily warranted or this is not the time, sir. But then we get, we get Dyer coming in and Dyer, for all his bravado and all the fights he gets into, he is quite contrite and you see him trying to make amends, says sorry to Sunny and Sunny is not having it. <laughs> Yeah, he's not. It was so scary. It's like worst case scenario when you apologize to someone, that person is just like still really pissed and refuses to hear you. That's pretty much what happens. And he's like, I'm so angry. I swear. I don't get it. He keeps saying it's like, oh, shit. Shit. Shit is real. Yeah. Which we didn't see. We only discovered this anger in this episode, which is great context for what's coming up at Everton. Yeah. Because... To be fair, when we saw what we saw at Everton, without any of this context, we were like, what the fuck is happening? Like, honestly, I remember that game so well because you and I were just like, what was happening? Hugo and Sonny? What? And now it all kind of makes sense. Still a bit worried for general mental well-being of everybody. But, I mean, clearly, Jose's plans are falling into place. He's turning them into 
quote unquote the bad boys, which we uh we now have. Yeah. And like I remember we were watching that and then we were wondering what's happening in the tunnel, what's happening in the dressing room, and this episode answers it. We see that when they get through the tunnel out of view of spectators, they're inside the dressing room and Hugo like flips out. He keeps shouting at at Sun, like, you, like, why didn't you make the run? It's the same for Harry. It's the same for Lucas. Why didn't you make the run? Make the run for the team, he keeps saying. And that's a fair point. You want your team to all be fighting for the same thing. Then Sun is also like, he actually, he shouts something, but no subs come out. Yeah. So I, I'm not sure. People are shouting in their what... local languages. Let's be real, in their own dialects. Because yeah. Aurier is also saying, it's fine, it's fine on camera as a subtitle. But that's not what he's saying. in real life like i think everyone's just like trying to calm everyone the fuck down because clearly anxiety is high pressure is high emotions are high yeah you know it's tense when the only way people can express themselves is through like their native language and not like maybe english that everyone speaks in so yeah so sun is like also worked up but then he also seems like super defensive which is also fair like it's totally understandable to double down when you're publicly attacked and i'm sure he knows he's also on camera so he's not just gonna take it (sighs) but like when that's semi-diffused or as diffused as it can be i think jose steps in and then says you know i don't know the whole story yeah you do which is so uh yeah that's that was so the right way to approach it don't come out taking sides but like as he talks you kind of get okay i know whose side he's on he says if you are a kid if you're a spoiled guy it's very bad if you take it in the right way you are strong it happened because now you demand more from each other is what he said i love seeing so obviously yeah. subtly siding yeah i love it when jose doesn't know what to do because he also didn't know what to do when dyer and delhi were fighting because clearly these are his two his two favorite kids he's got mm-hmm. special relationships with both of them as they have established earlier on in the episodes so when he was there and dyer and delhi were going at it just i have to go back it's like he's trying to pat dyer and just be like yo yo come on but he's also like but i'm not trying to side with him so like mm-hmm. it's, it was just very interesting to see his two faves kind of go at it. But yeah, yeah, all's well that ends well. Yeah, because we won the game and then you have that really nice shot at the end after the final whistle of Hugo, I guess, hugging and picking up yeah. Sonny. And then Sonny's patting his back. And then we see that also in the one-on-one interviews, in Hugo's one-on-one interview. Uh, he said, the best way is to shake the hand and move on. The worst guys on the pitch are teddy bears in real life, says Hugo. The teddy bear. (laughs) Self-proclaimed. And like, yeah, yeah. Then even Sun in his one-on-one interview says, this happens in football. We are more than family. And I think it's true. They are, I mean, families do fight. I think it's just so shocking to our systems to see all these nice boys that we've grown with. Well, you guys, more, way more than I have. So I just want to say shout out to Winxy, to Sissoko, to Aurier, to Gio, and to anyone who happened to be caught in the middle of this ker- kerfuffle and, and pulled them apart. Because it's never fun to see mom and dad fight. And seeing mm-hmm. like two players who you both respect and love go at it in a public yeah. forum. And I think that's yeah. very jarring to everyone. And like yes. you're already losing and you're like, wait, we got to win. But then we have this drama to deal with. No one wants the yeah. drama. So I- I'm just <laughs> glad that they got to move on. Yeah, I wonder how much of this is expected. How much of the pulling apart is expected when a fight breaks out. I wonder like how genuine the fights really are. Like do people really expect to be 
punching each other or beating each other up? Or is there a lot of, I know someone's going to pull me back so I can just be as loud as I can because I won't really actually, I can bark as much yeah. as I can. I won't have the bite. Maybe, maybe. And, and I hope so. I hope so. Because at the end of the day, they are family and well, more than family. That's what More Sunny said. And well, I guess more on Sunny when we return. We'll take a quick break and uh, deal with the aftermath of all this conflict. And we're back. Coming from all that drama, what we noticed in the documentary is obviously how it humanizes its biggest stars. We, we saw a bit of that with Harry Kane in the past couple of episodes and seeing our hero Harry Kane and his more human side and how frustrations come in. We see Hugo coming back into the fold of having been away. Rosie, Erickson, and we see all these different sides to them. And obviously, Amazon would be remiss if they didn't give us another side to the King of Korea, Kyung Min Sun. This is in no way you guys know how much I adore, we adore Sunny. And I think it comes from a place of love because... He is human, and Totes, yeah. it's just very, very interesting to see how he's reacted in these past three episodes. Yeah, yeah, and I think there were a few things that we wanted to talk about. And also, just to clarify, the King of Korea was not something we made. It came from Jose. Even spoiled yeah, was a word that a Jose used to describe him. <laughs> so this isn't us. We are merely reporting. So <laughs> just in line with that, we just found some things in the past few episodes that kind of support that. Like, oh, I guess Sun is understandably maybe quite a bit spoiled during the, I think, episode 8, when rumors were starting to swirl about a potential lockdown. Sun was sitting in the physio room, our favorite room of the training facility, <laughs> hanging out with Delhi and a few other peeps. And then like people are starting to, to, to talk about like a two-week lockdown. And he's like, oh, what? I have to stay in my house for another two weeks? <laughs> and then people were like, Sun... It's the government's call. It's not ours. Don't complain to us. And Delhi had a look on his face of like, are you kidding, Sunny? Did you just say that? Because and, 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 Delhi was the one that asked, like, what is a lockdown? Yeah. Again, Delhi, I love him. Yeah, only Delhi slightly in more in the know. Just, just a bit, just a bit more. <laughs> I think we see, obviously, just like we mentioned a while ago with with his, you know, run-in with Captain Hugo and how he takes it or doesn't take it so well. Totally understandable. We all know they're on camera. And you know how when you make a mistake and you get called out for it, but you're still like, no, 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 no I want to <laughs> stick my guns. Yeah. Um, and I, I was like that as a kid. So I... <laughs> I know, I know how this feels. When mom is already telling you, like, you did wrong. Yeah. And you're just like, no, no, it was, it was PB. You know, like, you're still, like, <laughs> trying to pin it on someone else. Yeah, nope, nope. I'm not taking no. the fall for that, no. <laughs> exactly. So, could it be a, I'm not justifying anything, but, you know, putting more context into how Sunny was raised and how Sunny was brought up in his native, in his hometown of South Korea, where we know talented male sons are always kind of like put on a pedestal mm -hmm. and we've this is knowledge from too much korean korean dramas okay guys yeah we, we so collectively watched... we have maybe what like All decades of, of expertise <laughs> in watching oh, k-dramas exactly. so we from know for sure prince. 
Yeah. For sure. This is, you know, undisputed. Yeah. But yeah, he was sheltered. He was catered to. He didn't have to lift a finger unless it was something football related. And and, and that's fair. That's how he's brought up, right? And all the media attention of how he is like a national treasure or how everyone in Korea loves him. You cannot blame him if this sort of seeps even in the minute way into his head, because it's true, he is a national treasure. Totes. How can you not, how can you deny that? And how can you compartmentalize that from the rest of yourself, right? It takes yeah. a lot of discipline and a lot of it. And Sonny is one of the most humble, to be fair, humans, but he is still human. So it yeah. was super duper interesting. Yeah, I was trying to like imagine it in the context of like a workplace that I know. Like in the office, sometimes there's like you have an office mate who maybe like came from a slightly spoiled or sheltered background. Maybe it's the office mate who grew up with like all aircon all the time and they had their own personal <laughs> yaya. Like all of the siblings had their own yaya. Like <laughs> the office mate that you you feel doesn't quite have all the skills needed to take care of themselves on their own. <laughs> so like other but people are constantly having yeah. to look out for them. Yeah, yeah, they're nice. They're humble. Yeah. They're really, they're really good at their job. But there's, there's always small things that maybe they can't yeah. quite manage on their own. It's just how they were brought up, and you can't, you can't, they can't help it. So yeah, yeah. you know, skilled in some ways, just not in all the ways. <laughs> yeah. So it's okay, Sunny. We love you so much, and honestly, couldn't imagine the team without you. So you keep doing you, boo. Uh, things we also couldn't imagine, and somehow we're still living through it, is COVID-19. And we see the coverage of this. To be fair, I thought it was well handled in the way it was covered. Not too much drama, very factual. I thought there was too little of it. Like, given how long we've been in this saga, I feel like they could have devoted more episodes to it. But hey, I'm not Amazon, I'm not 72 Films. Yeah, Spurs, they're just like us. Yeah. Everyone was confused as fuck. <laughs> yeah, I like how they presented the lead up to the lockdown. They were like going like key date by key date and then showing like what was happening in the training facility as things were unfolding. So it was so interesting to see like them also seeming fearful and uncertain like everyone else in the world, or at least in the UK, was fearful and uncertain at exactly the same dates. One thing that was super telling was there was a point where the players uh, decided to like collectively request a meeting with management to like talk about things. They're like, okay, we can't handle this uncertainty anymore. You guys tell us what is going on, which I'm sure happened in like workplaces all over the world at some point. And then we get to see that meeting. This Cullen, I forget her first name. Right, was yeah. talking to ad- addressing the players answering questions and even though they had questions she didn't have much like many tangible answers either i think harry like voiced his concern about how like hey uh, are we gonna continue to hang around here some of the guys i.e me are afraid that they might pick it up from someone here and like infect their families or something yes yeah, so it was super interesting to be like a fly on the wall in meetings like that and see that everyone is kind of scared like everyone else it was tough I think it was super tough to, to see it. And Jose was going through a lot of like, when do we trade? Like you could see him just like focus, very focused yeah. on one aspect of it, keeping everyone fit. And then you see him call out that he's like, my job is hard, but I don't, I think Levy's job is harder. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Which we see, like we feel like Jose Mourinho's stress about this because he does keep asking it in multiple situations like when they're in his office he says oh my gosh what are we gonna do about training when they're in like a different group entirely he still like is concerned about training um and then as things are starting to unfold and then people are start starting to talk about closing down 
we see Levy <laughs> reacting to things. And I think Jose says a line that sets it up. He goes, oh, he's worried about the economical impact of not playing football. And you're thinking, oh my gosh, Levy is stewing in this right now. He is shitting bricks for sure. And then we yeah. actually see that playing out. I think there's like a small meeting of people on the board. I don't know, Levy's part yeah. of it. And then he starts talking about how, oh, it's going to be so complicated if games are played behind closed doors or if things shut down. Like in the Premier League, there are 20 clubs and there are going to be so many disagreements. And anyway, so you can just see him being really stressed. And then Colin asks him why he's so concerned about playing behind closed doors or shutting down. And then he gives two reasons. And he says this in as <laughs> casual a way as possible, way. but we can read his mind. He says, number one, like the first thing I'm concerned about, number one, top of mind, is playing at home gives you a competitive advantage. And if there's no home fans, there's no competitive advantage. Oh my God, I'm so concerned about that. That's the number one thing I'm concerned <laughs> of. Is there another? Oh my God. If I, if I press no the name a second one... <laughs> It would be financial impact. No shit, Lavi. Yeah. I At get which it. point you're like, lol, there's really only one reason. Don't lie. Stop lying, Levy. <laughs> I think it's understandable for Levy to be worried about finances. Obviously, he's a fucking club chairman. I just want him to lean into it. We know who you are. You don't have to play this guy. You are the guy that has to worry about the money. I would be shocked if that wasn't your top of mind. So, yeah. Yeah, so sneaking in the competitive event. No, nah, nah, fam, don't lie, nah, don't fam. lie. We know, we know. Um, I guess on a lighter side of things, having everyone come back from, you know, self-imposed quarantine and having it stressed to them that this time away is not a vacation. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. Everyone was so worried. Everyone would just jet off to Mallorca or something. It was interesting to see how... You know, we all learned to bake sardo. People took up cross-stitch. You know, Spurs, they also picked up some useful skills. We see that we see the team kind of talking to Hannah, uh, the nutritionist of the team, who is a, such a cute girl. Yeah. She's so pretty. I'm kind of already thinking of like fanfic of which of the Spurs guys are secretly into her. Uh, and then I can write that fanfic. I, I'm writing it in my head right now. But I they're all bragging that. to her. You're, you're welcome. You'll be the first to, to read it. We see Dyer, and I think this is the cutest one. Dyer bragging about his vegetable garden, guys. <laughs> He's got a routine. He checks on his plants in the morning, has breakfast, walks the dogs, does their Zoom trainings, and then in the afternoon does his more vegetable gardening, and then dinner. Like, what? The way he talks about it also is he's so proud of this achievement. It's so it's it's, Yeah, I'm so happy for you. I'm so glad that you, you've gained new skills and you now have the means to feed yourself with your own efforts. Counterpoint, what vegetables does he have in this garden? I'm very curious. I want to know. So you know what? Dyer, show us some IG stories of what you have. Other players that picked up some skills... Tanganga can now open his own Nando style, you know, chicken. He can do <laughs> yeah. Nando style chicken. That is that is skills. That's skills. That's really, really helpful. I, I wonder if like he created it from scratch or he got or by Nando style chicken he means like, oh, I bought the sauce from the supermarket. That's branded <laughs> Nando's and I just made it at home. Because it can go either way. Like both are impressive, way. but one yeah. is more impressive than the other. <laughs> I would think Jafet would do it from scratch. Yeah. He seems like the type. And from, you know, Nando's style chicken, we also get baked beans by deli. We can now release a Spurs cookbook at this point. 
And then they were like, yeah, Gali, it's quite easy. You just put it and like, they were trying to tell him like in an oven. He's like, no, I just microwaved it for two minutes. Two minutes. He says he knows. <laughs> he knows how long. I know what equipment to use. It's a microwave. I know how long to cook it. It's two minutes. I'm so proud of myself. Oh, man. I'm so proud of these boys <laughs> discovering the kitchens in their house because, you know, we all did. And yeah. Quite nice. I kind of found it really cute that they seemed to be bragging to the nutritionist about how well they were taking care of themselves. Because I'm sure, like, day to day when they see her, she's making sure everyone's fed well, everyone's eating the right things. It was just funny to see them be like, okay, you weren't around every day, but I was able to do it myself. See? I did it. I'm a big boy. I was good. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, you know what, big boys? We have your dads to credit for this well upbringing. And uh, with that, we segue into a really quick segment of the Tottenham dads. Last last episode, we talked about the moms of these Spurs players. And this episode, we would be remiss if we didn't at least call out some of the dads that we saw, starting with our favorite father. And just like, I think the story of Jafet has really been well documented throughout the nine episodes. And finally, we meet him, Mr. Tanganga himself, Leon Tanganga. During Jafet's signing, he was there just looking so damn proud, as he should be, sir. Congratulations. What an achievement. I love the quick story he shares about how Tanganga signed with Spurs and how Arsenal wanted him, but then they wanted him, like he wanted his son to go to Tottenham. So they found someone at Tottenham and then they played a game against Arsenal and he scored twice against Arsenal. Then right after the game, Tottenham signed him, which I thought was so sweet. And I'm also like maybe 65% sure there's embellishment in that. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That is, you know, when dads tell a story, it's like, that wasn't how it happened. But okay. <laughs> like, I didn't actually come in first. I was more like fifth place. Like, no, 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 no. My kid came in first. <laughs> uh, I mean, from one dad, Tagaga's dad, to Winksy's dad, who was a Spurs fan. Yeah. Oh, this is like, wild. I wish you had been part of the documentary. Like, we only hear about him from Winx himself, who talks about how his dad was a Spurs fan and how his dad brought him to Spurs games. So can you just, like, all the Spurs fans listening now, just imagine your kid grows up and, like, you bring them to a Spurs game and they become a Spurs fan. And then imagine that they eventually start playing for the first team. That's insane. That's, like, the stuff of, like, the wildest, wildest possible dreams. It's pretty nuts. Good job, Mr. Winks. Good job, you, Mr. You and your, Winks. Uh, your, your handsome son and all the ladies at the uh, retirement home agree with me on yeah, how cute just, Harry Winks is. Totally. We just have to call out how good Harry Winks is with the elderly. And we also have oh, to yeah. call out how well the elderly women responded to Winks. <laughs> I mean, they shot the shop. <laughs> yeah, you can't I don't even know what the blame you can't blame granny him. for trying. Yeah, calling him cute and adorable to his face. That is what grannies have earned for living this long and surviving in this hellscape of a universe. So shoot your shots, granny. Uh, We're so proud of you guys. We would be the same. I was, to be fair, I had nothing to say when I saw Harry um, in the flesh because I was just like, I love you. Um, But yeah, nothing, nothing came out. So good job, grannies. I guess just on the last of the dads, not well, he is a Tottenham dad. Harry Kane, obviously, has two kids now, Vivian Ivy, whom we don't see often on social media because his wife has her reasons, Kate Kane, for obviously not showing their fo- their faces. 
I don't think she has any more excuses now, neither here nor there. They did fe feature pretty prominently, more than we did. We were there for like a split second. They were there for like a good 10 minutes yeah. or something of their faces. So Kate, I'm just imploring you. We've seen them now. They've made their debut on the documentary. Please feel free to now have them facing the camera. But we do see a bit more of the Kane family um, because, you know, Harry Kane scores when he wants to and reserves the training pitch when he wants to. Totally. <laughs> he held the gender reveal of his future kid at the training ground wherein he scored a goal and the balloon that shot out the powder that would reveal the gender of his kid. Not a fan of gender reveals. I don't know about you, Acid. But, yeah. Also not not super keen on gender reveals, but yeah. this one was pretty, pretty cool, cool to be honest. Pretty cool. Yeah, I have to be. I have, like didn't start any wildfires. Check done in a pretty fantastic way with a killer goal. Check. check. So yeah. reinforcing gender stereotypes. stereotypes. Unfortunately, also check. Boo. So excited to see Harry Kane's son and daughters and how they all feature in the Spurs future because I mean our women's team we've got Alex Morgan now oh, so yes. you know Vivian Ivy Kane you got a, a bright future to look forward to with, with the, the Spurs women yeah huh so there I mean I don't know about you but by the ninth episode we all knew where it was heading yeah and from the start at the beginning of the season after Champions League we were like yeah I'm gonna do this next season yeah oh my gosh yeah so like downhill. just watching these nine <laughs> episodes was like a i want to say roller coaster because <laughs> there are ups and downs but i feel like this was more of a slide <laughs> in terms of fans expectations so just like you said at the very start we we're pumped up oh my gosh we're gonna win the league we're gonna win champions league and I think we're not alone because especially in this documentary, <laughs> they often like speak to fans like on the street outside the stadium or during COVID, seeing them in their living rooms watching, including us, if you guys remember. Yeah. In the ninth episode, episode nine. seven minutes, <laughs> Minute 33 seven. seconds, you see us. <laughs> but throughout this series, you see like fans talking about their expectations and you can't help but notice that it just steadily declines. From winning the league, it's like, okay, fine, let's just get the FA Cup, some other trophy. It doesn't have to be Champions League. It doesn't have to be Premier League. After a while, it's like, okay, okay, we're going to make it in the top four. And then that kind of slips away. And then the fans are like, okay, we're just going to make it into Europa League, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and then later on, in the, I think, eighth or ninth episode, people are like, you know what? The fans outside the stadium or in pubs or wherever they're watching the game, they're just saying, you know what? It's really just all about the London Derby. We just have to beat Arsenal. We just have to finish, finish above it. Arsenal. Nothing else matters, they say. All is forgiven. All is they forgiven, say. one of the fans. One of the fellow fans <sighs> who are also featured in the documentary said. I mean, is all forgiven? Mourinho? Uh, expectations when he arrived? 14th place? He ends up at 6th? Something to celebrate? Question mark? He know, said, I, I would never imagine myself celebrating 6th, he said on camera. But... I guess in the context of everything that's happened, and he keeps saying this multiple times in the documentary, he says so many things happened. There was the like psychological mess of not winning the Champions League. There was like a change in management. There were players who didn't seem committed anymore and clearly wanted to leave. There were major players who were injured. There was the global pandemic, which continues to this day. Yeah, I don't There's know. There's just so much, so much. 
So, I mean, we obviously didn't want to end this episode on a low because I would think that this entire documentary actually kind of made me feel more hopeful. That's in the past now, you know? Like, we've been through hell, and yet here we are. Sure, we lost our first game to Everton. We'll have another episode just to, you know, <laughs> talk about all of that. And, you know, it's kickoff with... Plovdiv locomotive in like now uh, as we speak we're literally late to kick off because we're we've overrun but I think there's so much to look forward to like who do you think is watching this documentary acid <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah I was thinking about this like as we were watching we're like oh my god this is such an awesome piece of entertainment surely some of the players are watching and I was thinking maybe Sunny is watching oh for sure just because of you know vanity why not <laughs> gotta see how he's portrayed and, and, and to be fair it was quite well so yeah totes, funny, totes, go totes. go for it i don't know i think it was his article that you, you posted this article uh, yes so we're gonna Lazy. have a link to this article in the episode description but we know one player for sure is not watching and it's dire at least he's not watching now he said mm-hmm. the quote that we want to call out he says i don't think i will watch it maybe you know in 20 years time or something it could be nice to look back on, even though it wasn't the season we wanted. But really, guys, why question anything when really, I think the way Jan Vertonghen ended it, we see the barbecue for him in missional form at the end of the season, and in general, the end of season barbecue, and how he speaks so highly of the club and how he says he'll never find another club like it. In his eight years there, he's really enjoyed his time and how he is hopeful that the team will move on to bigger and better things in his absence. And how even if he doesn't watch a lot of football games, maybe five maximum, he said, that he would be watching every single Tottenham game he could and that he would be sure to FaceTime them after every game and, and just cheering them on. And that really made me think, well, isn't that isn't this entire documentary just a nice parting gift to Jan? For his eight years of service, he gets a documentary as a going away present. So if there's anything we can take away from it, let's let, let's stay hopeful just like Jan. Because if he's hopeful, then, you know, we have no right to be anything but. So, yeah. Yep. What, what a series. what a series so i guess we're gonna watch the locomotive game now and then we're gonna rewatch the documentary for the 83rd time right after (laughs) exactly i think anytime i'm just feeling down i'm just gonna put it on because it is it is quite the story and kudos to the amazon team and daniel levy for masterminding this whole damn thing that's true it is a coup de gras of a not so great season totes i hope we get an emmy out of it i hope so i hope we get that in the the trophy shelf exactly and with that we want to say thanks thanks to everyone for sticking into our three bonus pods as we recap the all or nothing series by amazon prime we'll catch you guys next week ish or in a week or so as we discuss the first couple of games into our next season what we're doing this again We'd love to hear your thoughts on this and what you are excited for in the next season and maybe feature some of your tweets. So tweet at us at Stocking Spurs and follow us on Instagram. We're not sure what we're doing there yet, but we're there. So hit us up on there also at Stocking Spurs. Thank you so much, Asad, for again, such a lovely time catching up. Yeah, thanks, Patty. Great and hopefully super entertaining to everyone and not just me. Great recap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, and this is uh, us commemorating our fandom so you know what Uh, a gift to ourselves Uh, we'll see you guys next time thanks for listening to stocking spurs Uh, we'll see you then see ya come Come on on, you spurs. spurs